It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. listening and thank you for joining the lockdown avalanche podcast part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day i am your host chris maselli with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your colorado avalanche in a special edition i guess uh maybe three episodes of special edition in store for you right now i have joining me from the locked on stars show and the Locked On Vegas Golden Knights show, the hosts for those shows. So we have uh, Danny Webster from the Locked On Vegas show. Uh, we have Josh Clark and Kenneth Nash, who uh, we named Kenneth iPad, which you will find out why we named him that. Um, they're from the Locked On Star show. Could not get the guys from the Locked On Blue show on, so... Um, and we don't want them. We want what they have, which is a Stanley Cup championship. So they're not invited. So, um, yeah, we kind of got together and did a pretty long-form discussion on our individual teams and how things have gone for them during the season, things to expect in this postseason, uh, and a plethora of other things. So it will be divided up just like last week's show with Adam from Locked on Lightning. Uh, this one will be divided up as well. So for this episode, the things that we kind of got into was like a summary of uh, the seasons for the Avalanche, the Golden Knights, and the Stars. Uh, so we, and, you know, we cover a lot of uh, different areas as well, but mainly it's how did the season go for our team's heading into the break. Um, and then tomorrow we kind of talk about some specific players that we are honing in on, what is at stake for each individual team after these playoffs. Is Are, are these playoffs where, you know, if they don't win it, and specifically this kind of goes towards the guys who are talking uh, about the Stars, what do they do? Do they have to blow things up, or do they kind of need to fill in some pieces if that's for tomorrow? And then uh, the day after will be kind of like predictions and we kind of have some fun about where we think all of our teams will go in the round robin tournament uh and beyond in the tournament as a whole so it was a a really good discussion hope you guys enjoyed it so here's part one of i guess a, a round robin preview and getting you prepared for the uh the round robin so enjoy it part one My name is Paul Stewart, a third-generation Irishman from Dorchester, Mass. I made it to the NHL as both a player and a referee. I was even elected to the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. When I was skating, I had my share of lumps and bumps. I gave a few back, too. As a stand-up old-school guy, I've always been hesitant to try fads, but recently I became a big fan of a company called Easy Feeling Wellness. A hockey buddy sent me 1,000 milligrams of intensive relief rub. Easy Feeling markets a line of natural plant-based hemp extract products, including gummies, soft gels with melatonin, and tinctures. 
Their motto is to enjoy every day, which all of us banged-up baby boomers and old skaters can relate to. Easy-feeling products are non-addictive. They don't get you high, and they're perfectly legal. Give easy-feeling a try by going to easyfeelingwellness.com. They will even give you 20% off your first order by using my special code, PS20. Easy-feeling wellness. Enjoy every day. Don't Luca now, but the Los Angeles Clippers might be in trouble. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Dallas Mavericks forward Luka Doncic dropped a triple-double and an overtime buzzer-beating three-pointer to tie their series with the Los Angeles Clippers. You have to listen to Locked On Mavericks today for a very hype Nick Angstadt. To the NFL, where 77 positive COVID tests from 11 teams were re-examined by a New Jersey lab. All of those tests have now come back negative. For the latest on the NFL's quest to return, subscribe to Locked On NFL and the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show. And finally, sources tell ESPN's Adam Schefter that Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson missed two training camp practices due to a groin injury. Listen to Locked On Ravens for the latest on the reigning MVP and why the team released Earl Thomas. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so we are back with our own little uh, bubble, I guess, here. A Zoom bubble is what we have. And joining me is Danny Webster, Josh Clark, and Kenneth. Don't know your last name, Kenneth. Nash. Kenneth, Kenneth Nash. Sorry, I don't Nash. think I have it on the uh, <laughs> that's all right. Zoom profile it's, it's, name. I'm just going to call you Kenneth iPad because that's what it says on the Yeah, go the for Zoom. it. Go for so, it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Danny is from the Locked On Vegas show, correct? Is there? And Josh and Kenneth do the Locked On Stars. So, uh, the interestingly enough, the only team that is not joining us here today is uh, the defending champs, and I guess that's okay. They 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 have what we want, um, <laughs> so they are not invited to our party, basically, and we can just talk bad about them, and they can't do anything about it. So, uh, I guess we'll just kind of go around the virtual room here, and everybody can kind of like I've already said your name, but anything that you want to throw out to Anybody on the other shows, um, go for it. So, Danny, we can start with you. In terms of just talking about our teams or ourselves, what do we want to do? About yourselves, how you got involved with, uh, you know, why you became a, a Vegas fan, how you got involved with Locked On, anything. Throw it out there. Yeah, sure thing. So, actually, I covered the Golden Knights for NHL.com and for SB Nation's uh, – Golden Knights flagship station, Knights on Ice. Uh, been doing it since the uh, since the inaugural season. I've been covering the team since that uh, that uh, very average run to the Stanley Cup final that apparently was rigged, and no one wants to talk about it because they got <laughs> the expansion draft and all that jazz. But you know, uh, say la vie. Um, but yeah, I've been covering the team for the last now three years, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Awesome, man. Josh, how about you, man? Yeah, uh, so actually pretty similar path uh, to Danny. Actually, he and I hold the same position at NHL.com. Just obviously I'm covering the Stars and then covered uh, the Stars for a blog called Blackout Dallas on the fan side of network for the past for the for five years leading up to 2019 when I got the NHL.com gig right out of college. And so, yeah, I've been doing that for the past year. It was quite an eventful uh, first season, to say the very least. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only just covering the stars this year, but 
covering just the NHL and pro sports as a whole. So it's been a, a fun first year and a fun last few years covering the team and excited to see what, you know, this uh, revised playoff format brings to the table, not just for the stars, but for every team involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Kenneth iPad, go for it. Kenneth iPad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> our listeners will know um, Josh and I were actually roommates our freshman year of college. I was not a big, big hockey person. I'm originally from the DFW area. So I knew the stars was quote unquote a stars fan, I guess, but I couldn't, you know, I wasn't all that involved. Uh, Josh basically watched hockey 24 seven. So I was Oops. forced to become a fan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fell in love with the game and the team from there. And then, uh, they approached Josh about this gig here at Locked On, and uh, we started in February, and I think we broke sports right after that. So I don't, I don't know what we did there. I'm um, pretty sure it was uh, year. It might have been our fault. Thirty percent. Yeah, that, yeah. We got about a month into doing this podcast, and then there were no more sports to talk about. Um, but yeah, love the stars. I uh, love hockey, and just uh, you know, I'm a newer fan to the game, so I, I can't speak to. I try not to speak too much on history, and our fans will know that. But uh, right. learning a lot. I've got you know a lot of experience in sports and everything like that and, 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 and liking the game. And hopefully we'll see a Stars uh, Stanley Cup run. I guess this is fun for me too, because I actually grew up a Dallas Stars fan. And no I, love, I, I love telling the story. The very first game uh, I ever watched as a hockey fan and as a Stars fan was June 1999 when Brett Hull did not step into the crease <laughs> yeah. in Buffalo. Oh, you, you've uh, seen the light. So happy to hear. Oh, oh man. I, the, the funny thing is, is that, I mean, what was I? I was seven at the time, and that was really the first game I ever watched. And thank God it was summer vacation because I didn't go to bed till like 11, 30, 12 o'clock that night because that game went on so long right. since it was, uh-huh. what, about four or five hours. And then you include <laughs> the fact that it was in Pacific time. So definitely do have, still have some love and admiration for the stars, even though, now that I pretty much cover my hometown team, essentially, it's hard to kind of focus on them nowadays. But I, st- I still follow them from time to time and root that they do well. So should amazing. be a lot of fun. It's amazing how your uh, allegiance to a team uh, has no bearing whatsoever on if you think he was or was not in the decrease during that. Oh, no. He, he, <laughs> I, I st- still to this day, I'm like, you know what? If they're not going to call it, his foot wasn't in the crease. So, <laughs> but but to be fair, I did go the entire following year thinking, oh, the Stars are never going to lose another Stanley Cup, and then we see Jason Arnett score in Game Six in two thousand, uh, and then all yeah. of a sudden, my heart was broken. So uh, yeah. that that is my life as a Dallas sports fan. Well, that's the thing, Kenneth and I. We've only seen one championship win that we actually were. Uh, what's the word, Kenneth? That we actually remember and actually were were i mean old we were to remember yes it's old enough to remember yes we were two years old we, we were old enough to comprehend and that was the math in 2011 and, and we felt uh. indestructible for about four or five months there and then the next season happened and well yeah it goes out the window quick man man that 2011 run i i'll have another i'll have a story i'll tell another day that has nothing pertaining to this podcast but it has to do with game two of the uh the heat series and the cops ah, getting called on me points so. with seven minutes left Yes, and it involved the cops getting called on me to my apartment. So, that, that, but that, but that's an, that's another story we can say for another day for sure. Well, I, I I interpret that as probably a good thing, at least in terms yes. of fandom. So yes, y- yes, it was good. good. We oh, agree uh, then. Well, for for your guys' shows, anybody that you know 
doesn't know who I am. Uh, yeah, I do host the Lockdown Avalanche show. Uh, I mean, a, a New York boy who grew up an Avalanche fan. Go figure. Um, Fascinating. Yeah, like, you know, it's you would think New York, your, your allegiance is to probably the Rangers uh, or some other team in the vicinity, like, you know, Islanders, Sabres, Devils in that area. No, I, I went West Coast. <laughs> and pretty much all of my sports teams are Colorado. I'm, I'm a massive Broncos fan. Uh, I do follow the Rockies. I do follow the Yankees because they're the Yankees. But um, yeah, the, as soon as Quebec moved to Colorado, um, I, I always loved hockey. But And my dad is a Ranger fan. But I never – I watched them and I never was like just – I never felt like they were like my team for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as the Avalanche became – or as soon as the Nordiques became the Avalanche, um, it was like, well, I'm, I'm a massive John Elway fan and a Broncos fan and that's my hockey team. So, and it helped immensely that, you know, year one, they won the cup. So, you know, yeah. when you, when you're, I mean, what was I 13 years old when they moved there? Uh, and you can brag at 13 years old that your team won a championship. It, it's pretty easy for to anoint them your team. So, um, all right. So where we are right now, we have, we, we have hockey there. There's actually exhibition yes. games going on as we're speaking, right? Yes. I can confirm that I am watching uh, the road team Toronto Maple Leafs playing at Scotiabank uh, in <laughs> Toronto, Canada right now. Okay. Who would have thought it would take a pandemic for the team that plays at that arena to wear the white jerseys at home? Can we, can we just point bizarre. that out? <laughs> that is bizarre. Um, yeah. So, and what, they're, they're playing, who are they playing? They're playing Montreal right Montreal. now. Montreal up two nothing with three fifty five left in the and, second. Right. And the game earlier was uh, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, and I think that went to Philadelphia overtime, won in overtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, hockey is back. NHL has done everything by the book to keep their players uh, and staff safe. They've done over what four thousand tests on over the weekend, and not a single positive test. So. Um, with that, I think that, you know, we are, we are in the total opposite realm of where like major league baseball is right now, where <laughs> we don't know if they're going to get out of week one of their season. Jeez. I'm pretty confident. Like we are going to have a Stanley cup champion. Fairly confident in that as well. Yeah, I agree. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I think we talked, we talked a lot about other leagues, the NBA, and then even some overseas like soccer leagues a lot. And just kind of kept an eye on them for our listeners about how they've gone through, and and other leagues have been able to pull it off. And I think the bubbles, the bubbles seem like they should work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that that's you know I think it's a great thing that the bubbles are working. The only thing that scares me is what's going to happen next season. Like, are they going to have to continue this with the whole bubble situation? Like, like for now we can say, oh, it's great that it's working, but then we're like, we have to go into next year thinking is this probably going to be the same thing that we have to deal with next year? I don't want to think about it that way, but. Yeah. I think that's up to the virus. Really. I think it's up to uh, how long this thing sticks around. So um, I don't know. It's, 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 well, it's a wait and see approach, I guess, for for what next year will be. Um, But for this year, I figure, why don't we go backwards and kind of do a little bit of a summary of, of, how our teams got to where they are. Um, Danny, if you want to 
take it and kind of give us a run through of how, how Vegas did this year right up until oh. now. Oh God, where do we begin? <laughs> um, well, let's see. I mean, we're talking at the start of October, you're talking about six months prior Golden Knights blow a three, one lead against the sharks. They had the worst penalty call of all time go against them. And then they're left wondering, well, what could have been had we gotten a full playoff run of Mark stone, Max Pacioretty and company, to a uh, long Stanley Cup run. We'll never know how that was going to be, and that was going to be the expectation going into this season. Were the Golden Knights going to be able to rebound with a full season with Stone, full season with Pacioretty? And really the, the, the top line that was going to be Stasny, Stone, and Pacioretty, how were they going to respond? And you know what? Injuries happened at the, at the very onset of the year. Join the club. <laughs> yeah, um, former Dallas Stars legend Cody Eakin was out for the first oh, month. Yeah. Um, and Co- Eakin was probably the biggest disappointment for Vegas this entire year because you go from a 22-goal season last year and finally showing you have some offensive capabilities to basically going being the giant uh, albatross that was anchoring that third line. And Vegas really could not uh, – get it together early on they had a couple of runs here and there they had a big run in December and January that kind of turned the tide and put them toward the top of the Pacific and then a four-game losing streak happens and then one day I wake up in a hotel room in Anaheim check my email and Gerard Gallant has been fired (laughs) um so I and and not not even just that wasn't even the tip of the iceberg the tip of the iceberg is that Pete DeBoer is now the coach of the Vegas Golden Knights so you throw you throw all that together and you're wondering what in the world is going on with Vegas? What in the world is going on with this management? What in the world is going on with these players? And then for the next two months before the pause, everything that I think could have gone right did go right for Vegas. They went on an eight-game winning streak. They went on an eight-game winning streak prior to uh, the, the pause. They beat teams like Tampa Bay. They beat teams like St. Louis. They beat the top teams in the league. And in the midst of all of that, they go out and probably make the biggest surprise at the trade deadline and acquire Robin Leonard to essentially be the 1B to Mark andre Fleury's 1A. And all of a sudden now, this is Vegas saying, all right, we're going for it. This is the roster we have. This is the team we have. And as it stands right now, the Golden Knights are ending round-robin play with relatively 98% a healthy roster with Max Pacioretty still in Las Vegas we're having a minor issue. Um, but they have probably the best goalie tandem in the league, and they have a forward core that could be rivaling one of the best in the league. So uh, to, to sum up Vegas's season to this point in one word, uh, weird. <laughs> weird. Oh, okay. We know all about weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I feel like I just read something uh, and maybe this is not news to you, but, um, the, the, there was something about a goalie coach or something that got fired yes. or he wasn't fired, but they, they never officially said it. And then this article that I just read said that they finally came out and said, yeah, he's no longer with the club. Yeah. I think you're talking about the one from Ken Bulky at Sinbin, uh, Dave Pryor, who had been the goalie coach for two plus seasons in Vegas. Um, Apparently, from the way that it was interpreted to us when DeBoer had mentioned it, that he was going to be the director of goaltending, but he was going to be doing it in Ontario. Mike Rosati, who is a disciple of Dave Pryor, 
was named the new goalie coach on site, but it turns out that the Golden Knights never really did anything involving Dave Pryor. They just said, okay, adios, au revoir, andale, all all that jazz. And yeah, so Dave Pryor Hmm. has not been with the organization basically for the last four months. And basically from what he told Ken, the Golden Knights just flat out lied in that situation, which is, I I will say this when covering this team for the last number of years, uh, it doesn't surprise me because they are very tight to the vest. They will not let anything slip. They don't want anything to get out to the crack. So it doesn't surprise me that they would go this route to not say that. All right. Well, I mean, you might've prevented the guy from getting another job for the past couple months by yeah, Not that's releasing him, but, okay. Better have given um, him a left a hot, uh, a lofty bonus yeah, for the months that right. he wasn't with the organization. I was. Um, I think the interesting thing that that I and this is just me, just kind of like reading the tea leaves, but like, um, I felt like when the season came to a pause, um, and there really wasn't a lot of news going around, uh, the Knights were kind of like the favorite. They like in even in Vegas, like they were the fa- the favorite to to win it all and the like the odds were in their favor to win it i feel like that's kind of like died down for some reason and there's been no games so why why has that been a thing i think i think it has a couple of reasons number one i think the fact that every team now is getting healthy it's not even just uh not even just vegas because you think back to when the pause happened stone was out with an injury he was going to be out till possibly the end of the regular season and then literally the day before the pause happened patcheretti was going to be week to week with a lower body injury and they were already without alex tuck um so given the fact that i think before the pause they were playing as well as they were and very limited in who they had i think there could be a re- there could be that reason as to why Vegas was considered a favorite and Vegas is always going to be considered a betting favorite here. No matter who, if, if, if they are in contention, there are going to be people in this city that are going to put money on, you know, whatever it is, plus 800 for Vegas to win the Stanley cup. It's just how it is. Yeah. Um, but I think you look around the league and there are other teams that are getting healthy, Colorado being one of them uh, getting uh, their top line back in form. Uh, before uh, round robin play is obviously huge. Um, Dallas, I know, has been dealing with injuries ridiculously throughout the year, and even our uh, our round robin brethren Blues, who uh, had missed Vladimir Tarasenko for all but ten games this year, and now all of a sudden they're playing well, and then he's coming back to aid in their repeat for a Stanley Cup. You just look across the board right now, and I mean, do you, do I think Vegas absolutely has the tools to win a cup? Absolutely. It's going to come down to who else is healthy, who else is playing hockey at the right time, and do they have enough talent to overcome the other teams in the West? And that's really where I think it boils down to. Yeah, well said. All right, uh, Josh and Kenneth, what's uh, what say you about the the Dallas Stars and their season and up to where well, we are now? I mean, Kenneth, I think, well, Kenneth and I have talked plenty about it, but, you know, it's funny because when Danny mentioned one word, it's been a weird season, that that pretty much perfectly encapsulates uh, the 2019-2020 Dallas Stars. I, I, you know, you start, if you go back to July 1st and you sign Joe Pavelski, Corey Perry, Andre Sekera, you got the arguably the best goaltending tandem coming back for another year. You've got 
the second best defense by the numbers last season coming back for another year for the most part. And it seemed like this was the, this was the year the Stars were going to, you know, contend for the top spot in the West. They were going to contend for the Stanley Cup and everything, all the pieces seemed to be in the right place. And then you start one, seven, and one. And Oof. then you go to four, eight, and one. And it's October 29th. You're four, eight, and one. You're down three, nothing to the Minnesota Wild with a minute left in the second period. And it looks like everything is just about to go up in flames. It, it, you know, people up in the press box, there's murmurs going around with different media people talking about, is, is there going to be, you know, a changing of the guard after this? Is this going to be a new GM, new head coach? Is, is Jim Montgomery out the door? Is Jim Neal out the door? There's a lot, of, a lot of hypothesizing because the team just couldn't seem to get everything going. They couldn't seem to get the wheels in motion. And I think at that point, their four wins were an overtime win against the Capitals, uh, a uh, 4-1 win against the Flyers, and then wins against the Ducks and Senators, who are, as we know, two not-so-great teams that both aren't coming back to play, and that just kind of tells you where they were. And so not a great winning resume, lots of losses, but then out of nowhere, Alexander Radulov saves the day in that game, scores a hat trick, the Stars go on to beat the Wild that night. Then November, they turn in a 10-2-1 record. Uh, and they're like the best team. They're one of the best teams in the West over that span, if not the best team in the West over that span. And then everything seems to be going well. Then December 10th rolls around and Jim Montgomery is fired. Hmm. And, you know, that's your, that's your new head coach. That's your second year guy that just got you to the playoffs the year before, got you a goal away from the Western Conference final. And it just, it, Felt like everything was going so well, and then you all of a sudden hit the brakes again. But then Rick Bonus takes over, and the Stars do pretty well to end the year 7-4-2. and two. Then the Winter Classic happens. That's a fantastic time for everyone involved. And then January, a pretty average month. You're 6-4-0. Oh. Then February, you go 9-3-3. Three and three, And you arguably have one of your best months of the season, if not your best month of the season. Playoffs are right around the corner. Everything seems to be going well. And then they drop six in a row. They go on an 0-4 and two skid leading into the pause. And so, you know, Kenneth and I took over in early February, and it was like, this has already been a weird enough season. And then such a great February happens, then a really bad start to March, and then the season is paused. So it's it's been such a weird year for this Dallas Stars team. There and like weird, I feel like weird's an understatement even because so much has happened over the past six to eight months that we never even – you could never even dream up. And, I mean, Kenneth, I know you agree. I know we've talked about this extensively. We've, we've just exhausted this topic over at Locked on Stars. But the fact that they were able to navigate all that and still be in a top-four spot in the Western Conference at the time of the pause – from all the ups and downs, both record-wise and off-ice-wise and behind the bench and everything in between, the fact that they were able to still navigate all that properly and end up turning in a 37-24-8 record at the time of the pause and get that top-four spot, I guess it speaks a lot to the adversity of this team and the, the, the resilience of this team when facing adversity, rather. And I guess Kenneth... I mean, I don't know. I know you probably have something to add here. And 
Kenneth and I have a problem with Locked On, where Locked On Stars, where one of us will start talking, may, most of the time me, and we'll keep <laughs> talking for about six or seven minutes and just not stop. But Kenneth, I know you have some thoughts on this. It's just been a weird year, but at the same time, the Stars have managed it well. Yeah, just echoing what Josh said, it's been a strange year entering, uh, kind of flashing back to last year, entering this season, the Stars, there was a lot of pressure on the team, I think, um, to perform and make deep postseason runs. Yeah. You look at how their roster is constructed, it's, it's, it's a win-now team. They've got a lot of money tied up in veterans that have produced in the past. Their defense is built to be a championship defense. So there's a lot of pressure on the team, and you go back to last year, uh, obviously they had the thrilling overtime win in game six against the Predators uh, to advance out of the first round of the playoffs. Josh and I had the pleasure of being at that game and the energy inside the AAC was was crazy. And then they go to uh, – and they face St. Louis, who obviously went on and won the Stanley Cup. And, and it was an interesting series. The offense really never got out of the gates. That's that's kind of been their problem for a, a couple of years now. The, the offense just isn't quite humming like it should be. Uh, but they still – they take St. Louis to seven games and, and – they're more than just a goal away. They're really, they're really about a, an inch added to Jamie Benn's wingspan away oh, from, uh, from, beating, yeah. from beating St. <laughs> uh, St. Louis there. He, uh, he had an overtime wraparound attempt in game seven. He had Jordan Bennington beat. He just couldn't get enough of his stick on it to kind of turn it back into the goal. And obviously they go on and lose that game. And I think there was a lot of high hopes because of that postseason run. You saw, uh, you saw Ben Bishop was phenomenal in the postseason. You were returning him. And then you're returning Anton Hudobin, who's, who's one of the best 1A, 1B goalie tandems in, in the NHL. And, and the pressure was high. And then they got off to that just wildly disappointing start to the year. And, and I know Josh, obviously Josh is a little bit more plugged in and, and the role he has in NHL.com. But, you know, I, I, I talk to Josh all the time during games and I was talking to him. This was prior to us doing the podcast. And, I, you know, we were, we were trying to figure out what the issue was. And it was just everything was just it was sloppy. It just it wasn't put together. Nothing was kind of going the way – they were having things go against them. They, they weren't getting anything to kind of break in their favor, but they also weren't creating enough opportunities. And so it was a weird start to the year. Um, and that was definitely – you know, that was definitely a topic around the Dallas Stars fan circles was, was is this the year that, that they kind of hit the full reset button? Um, Jim Neal's been around for a while, the general manager. You know, he's, he's put together a good roster, but he's been around long enough that, he, you know, a lot of fans feel like – they should be a little bit closer to a Stanley Cup. Uh, and then they're able to turn it around. That game against the Wild was definitely – you can point to that game and, and see a definite definite shift in how the season went. Um, and they were able to turn it around, really make a good push. Uh, and then, and then like Josh said, they get to they get to March, the end of February, March, and they drop six in a row. And, you know, you with the, with the pods, you don't want to – obviously, it's a very unfortunate situation. And, and you know, you never – you don't want to undersell how, how – you know, I guess the magnitude of the pandemic, but from a purely hockey perspective, if there was a team that needed the season to take a break, it was the Dallas Stars. They did not look good. They could not generate offense. Um, they, you know, they, they lost their three of their last four. Uh, they lost by – they gave up less than two goals and lost all three of those games. Yep. So, I mean, they, they, they were a talented team, but they could not figure it out. People were criticizing head coach Rick Bonus. You know, does he really have what, what it needs to take to, to make this team a playoff team? Um, and so the pause kind of hit him, I guess, at a, at a decent time for them to kind of hit the reset button. And they've got, you know, you look at the, the roster. And I said, this, this is a team that's built to try and win now. It's a veteran-heavy team. I think they have one of the oldest rosters among returning uh, returning teams. Really, their average age is dragged down by the fact that they've got a couple of 18-year-old, 19-year-old prospects. 
um, that aren't going to play. They're just they're they're a part of the team um, up in Edmonton. So you know, it, it's an older team that, that has a smaller window, and, and they've got to they've got to make a push this year, next year. Really, that's how I kind of view their window. And so yeah. when you're looking at the stars and where they're at, it's a team that that's got a lot of expectations. Maybe not so much on the national landscape because I think they're still they're they're not necessarily one of the favorites. But if you come to Dallas and you, you talk to fans, you talk to people who cover the team, there's a lot of pressure on the stars. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it, it, it's very weird because it, it's, it, it speaks to the kind of like the, the type of team that they have then. If, if it's been that up and down, that, that what was it, one, one eight and one, one seven and one? Just one seven, and one. Yeah, one seven one, and one. And then, yeah, okay, you have a good November. And then you have another six game losing streak later on. Like right. to, to be in the position that they are of this round robin. Um, and like you said, uh, Kenneth, like, I think, you know, they are happy that the, the season came to a pause because um, I'm not going to say that, that they were in free fall, but they were, if the season had continued, maybe they wouldn't be in this round robin and right. they shouldn't apologize for being in it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, they, they did what they had to do with the games that everybody was allotted. So they're in it. And, and yeah. just to, to have a, a, you know, when a team loses a coach in the middle of a season, uh, if that team goes on to just make the playoffs, that's a success in my opinion. That that's a big uh, shift change when it comes to any team to lose a, a coach um, halfway through a season. For them to be in the position that they are in right now, that's I mean that that's a home run in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's funny because that that six game losing streak. Uh, for people that had followed the team for at least the past three seasons, everybody started talking about, I don't know if y'all remember this, but back in 2017-18 on, I think it was March 9th, the Stars beat the Ducks and to uh, move into third in the Central Division. And it looked like they were a surefire playoff team. It was Ken Hitchcock's first year back, you know, second tour with the Stars. And then they dropped eight in a row right in the middle of March. And it absolutely shot their playoff hopes in the foot. And they were eliminated, mathematically eliminated by the end of March. And it was, it was baffling. And so, obviously, the players that were still on this team this year from two years ago, or three years ago, however long it was, 2018, um, it had kind of felt that they didn't want that to happen again, of course. And so, when this pause happened, it was kind of, decent timing for the stars and the fact that they finished in that top four seed don't have to fight their way into the playoffs. They can just play this round Robin and then try. And for the stars, honestly, I'm sure y'all thought of this, but for the stars, they have nothing to lose with this round Robin because there's no way they're dropping any further than fourth. And they, if they win two games and they move up to second, then they're in really good spot, especially with the reseeding format. So it really plays well into the star's hand, this whole new setup. The only question is, can they finally capitalize on this? Because it's been such an up and down past few years for the stars and under Jim Neal's management. You can't argue that he hasn't brought in a lot of high-end talent over the past five or six years to the stars. You can list any number of names from Joe Pavelski, Jason Spezza, Patrick Sharp. The, you know, the list kind of goes on and on, but it's just – they haven't sometimes haven't been able to make it click, haven't been able to make it work. And so this kind of is the year that we'll see if it works. Like they've come close. They've come a game seven in the second round to the blues two times in each of their past two playoffs uh, runs. 
They've come a game seven against the Blues away from getting the Western Conference Finals. And so it'll be interesting to see how far they can go this year if the offense has, you know, been revamped a little bit in training camp and can put the puck in the back of the net a little more because we know they can play defense and we know they can stop the puck in the crease. But just a matter of can they get those goal scorers going. All right. If if I can make a point real quick before yeah. we move on, because it's been so long since we've discussed hockey at a realistic level, lest we forget that the firing of Jim Montgomery was the reason why eight coaching changes happened this year. Yes. And that because I had to think about it with the whole Gallant DeBoer situation, then you realize there were so many coaching changes this year that we, we forget that how long ago that was and it really started with the shocking firing of Montgomery and obviously you know the the details of his firing have since come out and we don't need to discuss that but you know at the time it was obviously a shocking removal and then you look at the other teams that have made moves since then seven of those teams are in the playoffs right now either in the qualifying round or in the round robin which is to me I think the most shocking part of this whole ordeal or at least uh actually yeah so either six either six or seven teams are in the position of where they're in now the only teams that aren't i believe are the devils and the sharks so six teams that made a coaching change this year in the playoffs and that that storyline feels like ages ago (laughs) yeah and and funny little tidbit there i remember seeing a tweet back in like late january early february from the span of the time i think it was I can't remember if it was Jim Montgomery's firing or another coach just prior. Um, oh, I think it was from Bill Peters resigning to in like late November to I think mid-January when Peter Laviolette was fired. There were more coaching changes in the NHL over that like seven-week span than the Red Wings had wins in that seven-week <laughs> Yes. And that's just baffling on multiple accounts. No, being an avalanche fan, it, it, being yeah. an avalanche fan, it's awesome. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none more baffling than them not getting Alexi Lafreniere. In, <laughs> not in even getting weeks, a top three pick. Not even a top three pick. So, way to go, Detroit! You somehow <laughs> did something wrong. <laughs> Good God! Well, uh, you know, speaking speaking to that, uh, it's it's worked out for the Avalanche twice, where they were had the best odds to get the number one overall pick and got fourth both times. Uh, once they ended up with Cal McCarr, and then they just ended up with Bowen Byram. So, um, <laughs> thank you, I, Ottawa. I don't. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's continuing to pay off. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to give Red Wing fans hope by any stretch of the imagination, but um, it's worked out twice for for Colorado. So, take that for what it is. And this draft <laughs> is pretty top heavy with uh, some offensive talent. So I think they'll get somebody, but. Um, we're not locked on Red Wings, so why do we care? Um, all right. Apologies to our brethren at Locked on Red Wings. Yeah, we send our condolences. Jesus. Um, okay, so that's going to do it for today's show. We're going to stop it right there. And when we come back tomorrow, we will kind of dive into kind of where that discussion was heading, which is kind of uh, individual players, things that we're kind of looking for. Who are we looking at? for each of our teams uh, individually and, and as a whole, like how, how are we expecting our teams to do? So that will be for uh, tomorrow and then another one 
for Friday. So, and also the Avalanche are doing their um, exhibition game against Minnesota today. Technically, if you're listening to it today on Wednesday, so uh, we'll definitely mention that and how they do. Not going to too much depth and detail if we unless we have to, but um, kind of just we will talk about it because it's the first Avalanche action in months. So that will be mentioned as well. But until then, that'll be it for today. Stay safe. Hope you're enjoying this uh, round robin prep for everybody. And uh, part two will be back tomorrow. So that's it for today. See you tomorrow. And here's Joby. Go, Abs, go!